0: We're going to be in the book of Acts uh, for a little while, okay? Um, What I would really kind of encourage you to do is you can start uh, reading the book of Acts. We're not going to go exactly chapter by chapter, all right? We will go in order, but we're not going to stop uh, really at each chapter, Um, and I'll kind of let you know about how, you know, what we'll be going to next and all of those kind of things, Uh, but there's something that uh, is really happening that I'm not sure, uh, maybe we, ha- we don't always see all the parts come together, but we are starting the final phase, really, of something we started last January. Um, we are in the final push of one little verse, this one tiny little verse in Matthew 4, right? Matthew four nineteen, when Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And uh, if the only thing we were ever to be able to communicate to the world around us, if that is the verse we started with, we'd be doing okay. Because everything is encapsulated in that verse. In Matthew 4.19, we talk about the idea of Jesus. Remember, we started last January. We started preaching through the book of Matthew, and we did that all the way through August. August or at least through about the third week. So from January to August, we went through the entire Gospel of Matthew with one purpose in mind, which seems to be one of Matthew's purposes, which was what does it look like to follow Jesus when he made that call, when he said to Ashley, Ashley, come and follow me, and Byron, come and follow me. And and when, when Jesus was saying that to everybody, Matthew just lays it out so well. Like, what was he talking about? What does that mean? Because you want to know what? When we hear that today, it's really easy to just hear it through kind of a, um, a filter of the world, I think. Like we do live in a fairly, you know, in the southeast. We all know that, right? I mean, this is kind of the Bible belt. It's really easy to hear something. And go. I've heard that my whole life. I already know what that means. Like I don't need to learn what that means anymore. Like I know what that means. It means go to church every week and be a good person. That's what that means, except, you know, what's interesting is when you read, when you read the Scripture and just, just plainly read the Bible, there's very few times that Jesus said, really, all I want you to be is a good person, all right? He says, follow me, not just, now here's the thing, okay? And this is, I know a, a few of us in here, you've been disciples for a while, for a long time, okay? And some, sometimes it's easy to forget, follow me doesn't mean just jesus being added to our lives but that he becomes our life like, like that's different okay i mean when when we just add jesus to our life life becomes more complicated doesn't it like it becomes more busy it's like hold on a minute i've already got so much going on in my life now you want to add a community of faith onto that you mean now i've got to be an apprentice of jesus that takes time right that takes time together here's the other thing about it too it's funny. Jesus didn't really teach just individuals how to do it individually, right? It takes time for us being together. And so th- there's that as we read Matthew 4:19, I love it because it's so rich because you're going, "Hold on, follow me. Not just add Jesus onto it to an already busy life, but that He becomes our lives. And then I will make you." All right? It, it's that idea that we've really spent the last few months talking about from the transformation, from the inside out, right? Because isn't it much easier to just try to change your behavior? Yeah. Like, isn't that how we even try to help others? Like, like for instance, like, let's say, we'll take Riley. Riley doesn't ever have bad behavior, so we'll use Riley as an example, okay? <laughs> no, 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 I'm just saying, okay, I'm going to start a new year. He's never had any bad behavior in the last hour, Okay. <laughs> But, but here's the thing is, oftentimes what ends up happening, especially in the Christian world, is, is, you know, let's say Riley shows up to group of three or he's hanging out in the fellowship or something, and he says, you know, uh, man, I've really just had a bad attitude towards my parents. I don't study my Bible and, you know, just kind of that. A lot of times what we do is, well, let me help you change your behavior. All right? Instead of, like, digging a little deeper and going, hold on a minute, dude, what's going on? Like, because if you say we're following Jesus... That's not compatible with not being like obedient to your parents or respectful to your parents. Or if I say I follow Jesus, who he himself, right? He said, I'm the bread of life, but I don't feed on the on the bread that he's given me on his word. Right. Then the issue is like you could change your behavior and Riley could live his whole life having just ridiculously just legalistic quiet times where he just he reads doesn't change, does it so people get off his back, and that's behavior change. But what's cool is Jesus says, no, actually, like I'm going to work from on the motivational level even. Like I'm going to dig into areas of our lives, and he does that, right? He digs into the areas of our lives that we're not super comfortable with to go, hold on a minute, but, but we've got to do that in order for there to be change, okay? And it isn't just like supernatural, like it's just not the Holy Spirit doing something. When Jesus said, I will make you, I will create this in you. I will, I will create you to be this kind of person as you follow me. It had so much to do with Jesus' teachings, right? It had so much to do with his example. See how important it is when we read the Gospels and go, wow, how do I treat people? That's, isn't that the, the big question in the world today? Like, how do I treat people who live this way? Or how do I treat, how do you love people who, man, they're, they're not really glorifying God, or they're not really, you know, acting in the right way, or they're not living a lifestyle that I agree with. How do I do all that? And it's so funny because Jesus did all that. He interacted with everyone. And, and it's so funny that we're asking a question that Jesus is like, if you just followed me and you really were okay with how I did ministry, we would have the answers already. Okay but sometimes we make even the gospels kind of they, we clean them up a little bit right i mean when we think about jesus with the woman caught in adultery like we think of that in like such a g-rated veggie tales version you know and, and the truth of the matter is is in, in in our context oftentimes we would go boy i don't know man i mean we got to kind of keep people at arm's distance because what would the world say if they saw christians interacting with a woman caught in adultery or a Samaritan woman who she's been married four times, but now the man she's with, she's living with. Okay, I mean, you're talking about certain things. Homeless people, the poor, the, the, the just mentally ill, all of these things. Jesus interacted, and it's so funny that when we follow him, we're changed oftentimes by watching his example, right? I don't know about you, sometimes it's hard in today's world because sometimes if we're listening too much to what the world is going to say about the church... We're going to not do what Jesus did. That's really important to keep in mind. If I'm more worried about like, hold on a minute, what are people going to say? I'm going, hold on a minute. If I'm loving people, the world can say whatever they want. All right. But that's part of how he made us and changed us from the inside was the example that he showed with how he interacted with people. Right. So we have follow me. I will make you. Right. And really, we spent the majority of the last four months looking at one aspect of discipleship and that's loving well. Because we understand in the scriptures that if we don't love well, it doesn't matter what else we do following Jesus, it really won't matter, right? And that's as we said before, at the end of that, we didn't all graduate with diplomas on like look at how well I love now. Like we've we've reached the pinnacle Riley has but nobody else has, okay? But but the truth is is we we don't have that. Oftentimes we've learned the areas maybe that we're falling short, okay? And then we have this idea of Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Okay, there may not be a more profound statement of the gospel than that. You ever thought about that before? I mean, remember, we talked about this a year ago. This is one of the things that we started talking about was the gospel you believe determines the disciple you become. All right. That's so important to understand the gospel we believe. Now, that doesn't mean even the church. That means individually the gospel you believing. So if the gospel you believe is Jesus came down for us to be good and that's all that matters. Then what will happen is is your worship, your followership, your discipleship of Jesus will just be an attempt to be good. Because that's all you think it is, okay? Except except Jesus's view of the gospel is very different, okay? We've got to have his view of the gospel, all right? And the gospel Begins, which is, this is what everyone knows, right? I mean, Jesus, God sent his son, and his son lived on this earth, and his son died for our sins, and his son rose again, okay? And that's almost every evangelical Christian would say, that's the gospel. And that's, a fan, that's, that's 80% of, of an awesome gospel. But if that's the entire gospel, then really what that means is that we just should go and accept him and be members of a church. OK, except the gospel goes further is, is that he set an example that we will follow him is that new life. Part of the gospel is, is that we live new lives. Discipleship is that. So if you ever ask somebody, if anybody ever asks you, what is the definition of discipleship? Matthew 419 is it right. It's Jesus going, hey, here's what it means to look like to follow me. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. People who are following Jesus and being transformed into the fishers of men. OK. But at the same time, this is telling us what the gospel is. Because okay? what it's telling us is Jesus, the Son of God, who came down to, down to earth, is interacting with us, a bunch of folks who have no right being around the Son of God. Who have no right to have a second chance. Who have no right to be talked to. The, all we have the right to do when Jesus came down was for him to come down and rebuke us and leave and send us to hell. That's what we deserve All right. Instead, he came down. He said, hold on a minute. I haven't forgot about you. And by the way, Jesus remembers we're all a wreck. We're all a mess. He knows we're more. Whatever mess you think you are, we're worse than that. But here's the good news. He already knows that he's like, I'm good with that because he can work. I can change you. You can be different in Jesus. All right. And, he's, and so the, Matthew four nineteen encapsulates this gospel message, which is, I haven't forgot about you. I know y'all have been a mess. I'm back to save you. And I didn't come back just to save you. I came back for you to come and be my apprentice. Right there is grace, isn't it? It's saying, no, no, you don't have to stay away from me. I want you near me. Like I want you following me closely as I change you because, because I'm going to turn you into becoming fishers of men. Now here's one of the caveats that I think is very important, Jesus probably didn't go to somebody who wasn't a fisherman and say, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. You understand that? I mean, just because he's telling people in Matthew 4:19 who are fishers. It's a great illustration, isn't it? I mean, to fishermen. I mean, you know, if you're a professional bowler, it probably wouldn't matter. I don't know if there are professional bowlers anymore. But the truth is, is that you would go, why would I want to do that? I bowl, okay? But... But the truth is, is that he's using this very specific illustration. But what he's saying is there are lost people in the world. And I'm going to you're, you're going to be a part of my plan to help them follow me. And that's what you were built for. That's what everyone is built to do. Like that's at, at our deepest level, we were built for this right here. And so this is the gospel. Hopefully it's your gospel. Hopefully it's one of those things where you go, man. This, this, is, this is the gospel of Jesus. This articulates the gospel. Just want to ask you a question here at the beginning of the year. When was the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? Like, like you know, we use the word like evangelism. Okay, it's a word. It's a real word. Okay, it means proclaim the gospel. <laughs> All right. And, and there's nothing wrong, as we've said before, I, I think. We've got to do this more and more and better and better is, is we've got to just keep scattering seed and inviting people to come and be a part of our gatherings and our family groups and our college events and all that kind of stuff. We need to do that. But that's hospitality. That's let me warmly welcome you in. Let me let no, 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 you come and be a part of this group. OK, that's hospitality that I think we've got to show. But here's the question. Who is the last person you proclaim the gospel to? The, the, you were able to, because I'm, I'm telling you, I don't know if there's much better or, or wh- anything that will make you like more kind of fulfilled even is to be able to, let me communicate the gospel and and help you with this. Like this is the good news for, for me, right? Not just the good, certainly it's good news for the whole entire universe, certainly. But first and foremost, and you want to know what though, starting in January, I, as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know what, I, I'm ashamed to say is, is, that's one of the things that's easiest for me to forget is that the gospel is personally good news. Because there's so much to look at that is not good news. There's so much to critique, right? There's so much going wrong. You know, there's so much to complain about. There's so, and everything, I mean, I don't have a single thing in my life that I don't wish was better. Do, do you? I mean, is there anything you're like, no, no, no. It is perfect right now. It's exactly the way I want it. I don't have anything in my life that way. Nothing. And so here's the truth of the matter is when nothing's that way, then it's too easy to go, oh, man, you know what's wrong with this? And you know what's wrong with that? And you know, what's, oh, man, I wish this was better. And I wish this wasn't like that. And all that kind of stuff. And then it's so easy to forget. Hold on a minute. The gospel is meant to be good news to us and not just that jesus came and died and rose again but the idea that he said no no dude come with me you slacker i know you're lazy i know you're a liar i know you're a thief i know you're immoral I mean, seriously, could you imagine that'd be fairly humiliating in the temple courts, wouldn't it? <laughs> Jesus came up, and he's like, you're like, Jesus, no, 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 I, I'm not good enough to follow you. And he's like, no, no, I, I understand all the things that you did. Remember when you lied and then you stole, then you're immoral. Yeah, I get all that, but come and follow me anyway. <laughs> okay. I think we need to have that conversation with God. Like to hear him like telling us that going, I know you're junk already. I know you're up and down. I know you're hot and cold. I know that it's hard for you to concentrate. I know it's hard for you. I know all of that, but come and follow me. And when we follow him, he's going to teach us not just through the Holy Spirit, but he's going to teach us through his example. He's going to teach us through just experiences and circumstances of our own life. Think of last year. Do you have any experiences or circumstances that might have taught you how to love more? And usually it wasn't super easy ones, right? Think back. Have any experiences where you're like, wow, I wonder if God was trying to teach me something here? Yes, I will make you into fishers of men. All right? And so this is where we go right here. Part of this journey over the next four months or so is really going to be a journey of repentance for all of us. Okay? Now, Now, you understand what I'm talking about when I say repentance? All right, do you understand what that means? Oftentimes, I just... We've got to remember repentance is, the, is a gospel word. It's a good news word. It's a word that doesn't just always associate with rebuke. Okay? I mean, that's one of the things repent. And then every time you hear it, you're like, oh! Okay? But it's so funny that this is one of the things that Jesus actually said before he said, follow me. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. You think he was just screaming and yelling at him? I mean, maybe he was. <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I guess I'll be judged for that one day. You'll go, no, Keith, all the times you preach that. No, I was furious with those people. <laughs> okay. But it just doesn't seem to be Jesus' M.O. It seems like repent. And, and again, it's that like made up word in our mind. It's not a made up word. Repent is real. But I mean, what they would have heard, which is like, stop thinking the way you're thinking. Think different than you normally think. The kingdom of heaven is near. Think differently. And so that's going to be really important this section of being, becoming fishers of men, all right, is this going to be a journey of repentance, Okay, because we're going to be tempted in a couple ways. But one of the first and foremost ways is, I already know what that means. I already know what that means. Be a fisher of men. You go, you go through seven Bible studies, you baptize them, and they learn how to sing all the songs we sing. <laughs> of course that's what Jesus meant, because clearly when we read the Gospels, that's what he did. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, man. I mean, but it's that journey. It's, it's that idea of going, hold on a minute. I already know that. We've got to repent of that. And just start and like, no, Jesus, I'm your apprentice. Like our prayer time should be teach me. Our talking and, and helping one another is, hey, help me do this. All right. Help me with all of these things. Second temptation in our journey of repentance here. Okay. Second temptation is I'm a disciple already. I must be doing it right. Like, like, this message is for people who aren't, aren't disciples yet. Like, they're going to have to learn how to do this. I must be doing it right. Right? And, and I just want us to repent of that just because, uh, man, you know what? I, there are so many things I know many of us in here are grateful for. Is I, I'm really grateful that I had people in my life who taught me the Bible. And, and who taught me True doctrine and who taught me the life of Jesus, and who taught, I love that. But I'm going to tell you what, man, as I get older, I, I veer so much more in my heart, more heavily towards just, like, grasping on to right doctrine. Like, oh, no, I mean, be- because the doctrine I have is, is correct, uh, therefore then I must be doing everything Jesus wants me to do. And that isn't the case. That's not what I I read in the Bible either. Okay. Doctrine's a good thing. And it's an important thing. But just because I have that doesn't mean I'm doing everything the way Jesus is telling me to do it. Okay. This is kind of that journey of repentance of kind of like, hold on a minute. Do I need to repent of that? Where I've just felt very secure as a disciple because I have a correct salvation doctrine. I think Jesus was saying, "No, no, follow me as my apprentice, and I'm going to teach you how to follow me and how to become fishers of men." And then the other thing uh, in our in I this is my own view. You you could add more to this list. I'm missing something, I'm certain of that, is it's so easy in our lives disciples for the pendulum to swing, right? It's like the pendulum of hyper outreach. Well, that's all it is. Uh, that's all we care about. Who you inviting, who you studying with? I don't care about anything else, and just this hyper outreach. And then it goes all the way back to we just need to love God. All right. and, and here's what I'm gonna just really continually push us towards is as we read the Bible plainly, both of those are accurate. Alright? We swing the pendulum, all right, of going, hold on a minute. How did how did it look for the first Christians? How did it look for those who followed Jesus? Did they abandon loving, loving God to go and make, reach, deci- reach other people? Okay. No. We, we've got to find out, like, all of this comes together. Okay. And so what's a little bit difficult is as we've broken it apart, some of you guys have played sports before. Okay. Um, so I was watching a Florida State basketball game a, a few weeks ago. They were playing University of North Carolina, and I've never seen a worse free throw shooting team in the world. <laughs> Ever. I mean, I think they were trying to miss free throws, okay? But in in a basketball game, shooting free throws is important. You can practice all day shooting free throws, but there's more to the game, right? And then you have to practice how to defend. And then you have to do it. No matter what you do, no matter what sport you play, you can break it up into its segments. But then you have to come back and see it as a whole, Okay. That's what we're doing with Matthew four nineteen. Is we've talked about follow me, right? That's a little segment. We've talked about I will make you. There's a little segment. Fishers of men. There's a little segment. But all in all, we've got to see them. This is the whole game, okay? It's not like oh, do I stop following him now? Do I? What about him? Change? Did he already change me? What if he didn't do that? No, no, no. This is all happening concurrently. We've broke it down into segments, okay? Let's turn over to, to the book of Acts, okay? And so I just want you to remember that because, I don't know, I'm a visual guy. Like, I picture things in my head, and as I picture it, I'm going, it's very easy for me to go, okay, there's a segment up there that's follow me, and I'm going to try to do that for most of the day. And then there's a segment of, he's going to transform me from the inside out, and I guess that's my quiet time, and I'm going to try to do that too. And then there's a fisher of men, and I'm going to have to figure out where that fits in. Um, and there's all these segments instead of, no, no, it's this one, it's this whole thing. It's all happening, all right? And we're going we're gonna to talk about that more and more. But we are going to start here in the book of Acts, okay? Now I want you to ask yourself a question. The, the book of Acts, right, it's the history of the first century church, isn't it? It's the history of the first century church, sort of. I hope this doesn't really cause anybody to stumble. (laughs) It's the history of a small portion of the first century church. Sometimes we look at the book of Acts and we say, this is every Christian everywhere. Well, certainly we know that can't be the case because at Pentecost there were 3,000 disciples. There were people in Jerusalem that did not live in Jerusalem. And they were baptized and they went off and we don't know what they were doing. They went off to Crete and they went off to Africa and they went off to other parts of the Middle East and Asia. We have no idea what they were doing. Are you OK with that? You're OK that the book of Acts is not a complete like this is a every. No, 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 it wasn't. OK. And just be OK with that. The Ethiopian eunuch. All right. He was gone. We don't know where he went. I know we have some history and some stories about what he may have done. All right. But this is a small. Historical understanding of what the early christians did after the resurrection okay the second thing sometimes in our reading of the book of acts is we feel like if they did it we should do it too some things that's true some things that's true okay when we see their theology coming out when we see like their their discipleship coming out of going oh yeah yeah yeah, we should do that but when we start looking into their methodology, it really doesn't talk a whole lot about their methodology. It'll say something here and there. When I say methodology, I mean, sometimes we'll go, well, um, they met in the temple courts every single day. So so we should go find some temple courts. Well, I think they met in temple courts because they were in Jerusalem. and They were Jews. <laughs> that doesn't mean we have to go in and, and, and do that exactly the same way. OK is I don't know exactly how the Ephesian Christians gathered on Sunday morning. I, I don't know. I mean, some say they gathered in houses, some say in the Hall of Tyrannus, some say in different places. I think they people gathered. You know, I think sometimes if we get caught up in the methodology, and that can happen sometimes, going, no, no, if the first century church did it, we have to do it that way. Well, something else happened in the first century church, too. It wasn't so good. Do you remember what that was? Yeah, see, so Paul, Barnabas—you had that, but also you had people um, lose their faith. In the first, can you imagine that? You would think, man, if I was in the first century church, I'd be so fired up all the time. I mean, we just—we man, we got brothers who were at the resurrection, leading our church. Right? You want to talk about having a group of three, and one of your group of three leaders was like, "I was there. I saw it. I saw Jesus after He rose from the dead." You go. I would be so fired up all the time. And then we read the letters, though, to the first century church, and we see anything but that. We see a cooling off, okay? That's our, listen, I'm going to tell you guys this. It doesn't matter if we lived in the time of Jesus or the time of now. Our tendency is going to become cooler in our faith, all right? Brendan, in here today. So we used to do, a, in our fireplace, we used to do a Duraflame log. Y'all ever do those? Mm-hmm. You know, Duraflame, simple, clean. Just light the wrapper. I mean, it's not like, I don't feel like a mountain man doing it. (laughs) You know, I don't let people know I do it, to be honest with you. I'm kind of like, it's my family secret there a little bit. And then Brent walked into my house and shamed me for using the Duraflame. Embarrassed me in front of my children for using the Duraflame. I don't even want to know what Ryan's thinking about me right now. He is judging me by his looks right now. Okay. And then, and I, it's so easy and clean and simple. And so anyway, we went and bought wood, real wood. Okay, it was cut, it was cut already, okay? It wasn't like I went down and chopped a tree, okay? So, and, and, and I'm going to tell you what, the fire shaming that Brent did was a good thing for my family, okay? It is, our fires have been better. I mean, they are warming our home, but here's one of the things that I keep, here's one of the things I learned. The minute I put that wood on the fire, the wood starts burning out. My, I have yet to light a fire in there, and there have been some fantastic fires in the past three days <laughs> <laughs> that have been like, woo, and you wonder what it lasts for like, and then all of a sudden it slowly burns out. That's us too, okay? And so if, if we think like the secret to Christianity is to follow everything they did in the book of Acts and we'll all stay fired up forever. They didn't even stay fired <laughs> up. Okay. I mean, they had issues. They have false teachers. Could you imagine that? The first generations of Christians have false teachers coming in. So here's the truth. We're not very different. Okay. God isn't going to come down. Okay. And say, hold on a minute. Unless you gathered exactly the way I tell you to do every single time in the right form, fashion, and way, I'm going to no, 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 no. The book of acts what we see in really healthy disciples is people who are following jesus and he's changing them and they're becoming fishers of men okay and there's a whole lot of latitude probably more latitude than we feel comfortable with honestly that god gives the church okay in a whole lot of things we feel very like like just like we want to hold on tight to okay there's a there's a whole lot of things i think that we would say really inspire us spiritually That may have not even existed in the first century church. They certainly didn't have a band. I mean, maybe somebody plucked an instrument or something. That's great. That's, you know, has nothing to do with instrumentation. Somebody probably pounded on something to make a drum or something like that. But but it wasn't like a there, there probably wasn't some kind of there certainly wasn't contemporary Christian music. You know, they couldn't just go on the Internet and just listen to like, oh, man, if I could listen to a great sermon every single week, then I'd be doing great. I'm going, they didn't have the Internet yet. I don't know if that's a surprise to you or not. (laughs) I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I'll throw you a nugget every once in a while, you know. But they couldn't think about all the things that they couldn't do that we do. And oftentimes think, man, if if I didn't have these things, you know, they didn't even have the Bible in New Testament form. (laughs) Like, How would you get all excited about Jesus then? Because one of the things that people would do is they would just write down things about Jesus. What if your buddy just passed you over and said, hey, hey, there's these 20 things. I met this guy. He told me 20 things he saw Jesus do. And that's what you had to kind of hang on to. You're like, oh, Jesus said that. That's kind of what it's like, okay? And they're reading Old Testament and all those kind of things. But So the book of Acts, it's really important that we get an idea as we go in reading it, or we're going to have maybe some unhealthy expectations of the book of Acts. Like we're expecting something that isn't in there, or that we expect to maybe do some things um, that that they did that we don't have to do, or we don't need to do, or something like that. So we're going to start in Acts chapter 1. Again, just from a contextual perspective, I know this is just beating a dead horse, but I think it's really important to keep in mind, a historical book Simply is that it's relating events of the people that lived at those times and what they did. OK, that, that's just really important to understand. And so what we have here in verse one, uh, Luke, who wrote this book, a oh, physician, Dr. Luke, giving us the book of Acts here. And, and in verse one, he says, I wrote the first narrative. He, he says, Theophilus. Maybe that's a person, maybe it's a group of people, I don't know. I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up, after he had given orders to the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he suffered, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. All right, so for 40 days... After the resurrection, Jesus came back and said, guys, there's a few things I need to teach you that I had to wait until after I died and rose again for you to even get. That's pretty cool right there. I mean, you're thinking, hold on a minute. You had to everything you taught. You had to wait till after to teach us. Yes, I did. Okay. and he says, while he was together, he commanded them, don't leave Jerusalem. Wait for the father's promise. This, he said, is what you heard from me. He said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? I want you to just stop for one second. Sometimes we, this, is a, this is a question we do need to stop at, okay? Far too often we think Jesus is esteeming a thing a theologian style of faith like that what we oftentimes we think jesus will be happy with me when when i understand the deepest theology out there like he's going to be so impressed and so happy with me okay when when i learn all about these all the funny words and the big theological sayings and all that kind of stuff and 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 here's what i have to say about this is they just ask him a question that i think jesus could have just gone I just wasted three years on y'all. <laughs> You're asking me that question? <laughs> After three years, okay, I just stop because maybe this does nothing for you. This helps me, okay, because I look at it, and I'm like, in my mind, oftentimes, I think Jesus is, is, is wanting me to get things at a certain pace, and certainly he does, okay, but I'm scared to ask a stupid question sometimes, <laughs> okay? I'm just scared to ask certain things because I'm afraid people are going to go, How do you not know that? And, And that that must mean something about who I am as a disciple. All right? And these guys are like, So, Jesus, tell us. Now Israel will be restored. And he's like, Really? I'm done with you guys. Let me go find someone else, okay? But he doesn't, okay? He just says, Listen. Guys, it's not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And if you want just an outline of the book of Acts, there it is right there. Okay? He says, you're going to be my witnesses. Same word as martyr. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, the surrounding area. Samaria and all the ends of the world, all the Gentile world after that, okay? And that's the outline of the book of Acts right there, okay? And then Jesus, it says after in verse 9, he said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight, and while he was going, they were gazing into heaven. And suddenly two men in white clothes said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This Jesus who's been taken from you will come in the same way that you've seen him going into heaven. Then they return to Jerusalem. So here's the deal is, let's stop right there. Let's say that were to happen to us, okay? And Jesus comes down and he says, hey, listen, ask me all your dumb questions, okay? And I won't even get angry about it. I'm just going to kind of prod you along, okay? And then he goes up and we're sitting there and everybody's just like this. That was great. That was six weeks of awesome, wasn't it? (laughs) 40 days of great teaching from God, who is Jesus, who was rose from the dead. And he's like right in front of us. And you think, what better teacher could you have too, right? A resurrected Jesus. (laughs) Okay? And there he is, and there he goes. Now he's gone, and we're sitting here. What's the first thing we do? Why don't you just think in your mind? You may do something else, okay? But what's the first thing you're going, hold on a minute. Okay. Now remember. Remember he told us... they're not going, remember Matthew 28? But they're, they are saying, you remember what he told us? Remember what he told us after the resurrection? He said, hey, listen, go make disciples of all nations. Like he gave us a clear call. Go, and make, a, go make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be with you, okay? What a phenomenal message, okay? That's just, it's right there. That's in their mind, okay? Jesus coming down teaching about the kingdom, about how he's in charge. He's the king, right? And all of these things. And you're in Jerusalem and you're going okay now what who's got a plan for this <laughs> never done this before there's no website you can go to there's no book you can't call Jim Putman up you can't call Douglas Jacoby you can't go somewhere you're going okay what do you what do you do I want you to think about that what would you do okay great see so, you know <laughs> got some laundry to do <sighs> Certainly they did. I'm not getting on laundry. You gotta do laundry. Okay? But what would you do at that moment? It's so important for us to enter into history. Go, what did to learn what they did? Because the truth of the matter is, is they didn't have church in a basket. They didn't have like it's already like what to expect and how to do it, and this is what should there was no strategy. Okay. It's interesting. We live in a strategic world, don't we? is let's come up, the best plan is what's going to be best for the church, right? Like, let's have a plan. Except it's very interesting, is is I don't know if any human being could have planned what was about to happen. I think that's where we mess up sometimes. I'm a strategist. I like to do strategy, okay? But I think that's where I mess up more, more often than not. Because there's no way that guys would sit down in some room somewhere and start strategizing about how the kingdom of God was going to come to earth. And it was going to happen with what we read and we'll read next week in the book of Acts in chapter two. There is no human being that could go and go, hey, you know what would be awesome is if we could just have some mega miracles come down and people th- I know. OK, John, they're going to they're going to say you're drunk in the morning, but you just got to take that one for the team. OK, <laughs> listen, there, there is no strategy. I want you to read what they did. OK. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem. It's a Sabbath day's journey away. When they arrived, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying and, and all the apostles there. And all these were continually united in prayer. Along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. OK, they have a problem with lists in the Bible sometimes. <laughs> They're Like all these guys, that's who did it. Well, and all these people, too. And all their children. <laughs> Okay, so there were a lot of people there. What I'm saying is it just wasn't the apostles. It just wasn't Mary because she was the son of Jesus, or the mother of Jesus. It was like, no, and all your brothers, it sounds like, no, 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 y'all come on in. This is what they did first. They said, we don't know what to do. And you know, when it comes to becoming fishers of men, do you know what to do? Like right now in your life, I'm talking about in your workplace. Like in your home and in your neighborhood. Do you have like a, str- here's the truth, this strategy is, one, is fine, but the truth of the matter is, is oftentimes we're like, I don't even know where to start. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. Here's what we have recorded of these guys, what they, when they didn't know what to do, this is what they did. And he didn't just say they just went and had a prayer time. What's it say? What's the word? Continually, Continually was like, listen, we may be messing everything up, but God can't get mad at us if he sees us praying all the time. <laughs> okay? We may not understand understood a thing he said, but we're going to keep praying to him. Okay? And I don't think we can move forward at all. In, in Jesus' sense of being fishers of men, there is so much in that process that is out of our control. Because here's what Jesus messed up on. Okay? <laughs> Here's where he messed up. He did not give us the opportunity to control other people. That would have been so beneficial. (laughs) When you become my disciple, I now give you the, 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 you become like the Jedi master. You can control the thoughts of people. Except I think Jesus in those 40 days of teaching, he must have forgot that one. Did he just mess up? Listen, I'm telling you, there is so much about this that we have intentionally no control over. I can't control how people respond to the gospel. I can't control. Listen, here's the truth. I have a hard enough time controlling me. And you probably have a hard enough time controlling you. All right. And so the idea that Jesus didn't allow us, but he said, go be fishers of men. He put something on us that we were like, really? I can't. Pray. Continually together. I want to tell you something that's been one of the coolest things the past few weeks is, is Byron has called me a couple of times. I was picking up Reese one day and I was in line and Byron goes, I'm calling you because I want to pray for you. And I said, well, Reese just hopped in the car. He said, put on speakerphone, I'm going to pray for him too. And so me and Reese are driving along and Byron's praying for us. And it was one of the coolest things in the world, man. I mean, I was like, this is awesome. Reese loved it. I mean, it was the, the and, and, Byron has done that. Like he calls and like, hey, what's going on? Nothing. Can I pray for you right now? I want to pray for you on the phone. Man, that is awesome. I don't do that. I'm like, I'm doing that. Okay. I mean, that is phenomenal. I think if we try to like navigate the history of the first century church and become fishers of men and do all these things. But we neglect the very thing that they thought was the most important thing. I don't know if we're going to really be on the same track. I don't know if we're really going to be getting it like they got it, okay? And so that's, that's the takeaway. Here's what I want you to do, okay? There's three, I want you to go home and read these three prayers, okay, in the Bible. I want you to read uh, in Matthew 9, okay? Matthew 9 is where Jesus sends his guides out, and he says, Ask the Lord of the harvest, okay? That's a simple one. That's like an easy one, because my goal is this. I want you to read the times in the Bible when people are praying, and oftentimes The the quality of our prayer is very self-focused, meaning like inspire me, fill me, change me. These are all fine. okay. there isn't anything wrong with that. But when I start reading the prayers of the Bible in terms of hold on a minute, if Jesus was about discipleship and about moving forward, about becoming fishers of men, these prayers are about equipping us to go out and become fishers of men. Like, are my prayer times, am I praying in a way that is, that is when I'm done praying, I'm, I'm ready to go and do this? Am I praying about my fear and my insecurities? And am I praying about even all the requests that God says, hey, tell me your requests. Because, listen, you've got to go be fishers of men. And I'm going to take all that stuff from you. And you don't have to worry. You can come and pray to me because, listen, if you're anxious and worrisome, it's going to be really hard to make disciples, Okay. And Matthew 9, Ephesians 1, OK? And uh, let, me, let me tell you the verses of those. I just wrote Ephesians 1 on here, but uh, Ephesians 1, uh, verse 17 through 19. Ephesians 3: 14 through 19. And I want you to go and read those, but read them in the light of Paul praying these for people who are going to be fishers of men. Not just to have a better life today. Not just to do life better today. Not just to get along with my boss better today. Not just to get along with my wife better today. Not just to make me feel like more Christian today. But that there's a direction to how we pray. All right. And, and, it, and this is what I see more and more and more. OK. Prayer is greater than strategy. OK, Here, here's one of the things I, that I want us to be better at this year than we've ever been is being warm and welcoming and hospitable and inviting everyone we talk to to gather with us. Whatever that gathering is, I mean, whatever your family group, over to your home for dinner, Sunday morning, midweek, cross training, whatever it is that we, here's, what if everyone in the city of Clemson and Pendleton and Central had had a warm invitation to come to be a part of something we're doing? And that invitation may start out with just dinner at your home. But that everyone in this part of the world, all right, I, I want us to do that i want us to be great at that but that's just that that's kind of the starter for being able to proclaim the gospel because our real goal is saturating our communities with the gospel saturating the people groups god has put put us in that may be a small group at work it may be a small group at school it may be a team it may be something like that and going man How am I doing? This is the question we're going to hear over and over and over again. Is Jesus asking me and you, how am I doing loving the people he has given me to love? And he's given us people at home, at work, and at play. He's given us people in those areas. Him going, how are you loving them? And and remember, love is meaning, have you proclaimed the gospel? Are you going in that way? Are you, are you getting to know them? Are you being the servant? Are you being the follower of Jesus? Okay. But prayer is greater than strategy. All right. Let's follow Byron's lead on that. Okay. Of that idea of just calling people up and going, can I pray for you? Can I pray with you? Praying together, not just in our family groups, just because we better do an opening prayer. <laughs> right but really like calling on